made in the UK for MSPs around the world. This is Paul Green's MSP Marketing Podcast. Here's what's coming up in the show. We're offering a refresh completely free, which would encourage them to stay on board as well. It's very much about long-term revenue and that long-term profit generation as well. We've also got a very clever idea for some physical help desk buttons that you can give to your clients. And we're going to answer a question from an MSP about whether or not he should test his marketing to a general audience or a very specific vertical. Paul Green's MSP Marketing Podcast. Have you ever had that thing when you've been out for lunch or dinner with some of your friends, but people who don't own their own business, people who are uh, employees, wage slaves, and the bills come in and however much the bill is, you've just grabbed it and you've said, I'll get this. And they've all kind of looked at you with astonishment on their faces because there's actually a couple of things happening in this situation the first thing is when you're grabbing it you're fully intending to put that on your business aren't you you're fully intending for the business to pay for it and essentially you're reducing your tax bill yay you're generous to your friends and your tax bill goes down at the same time that's a huge bonus so that's the first thing and they they don't realize that they don't realize that we do that Uh, the second thing that's going off is you've looked at the bill and however much it is it hasn't seemed as much as it does seem to your wage slave friends. And the reason for that is because as business owners, our relationship with money becomes skewed over time. I know back in my last business where we were turning over somewhere between about 80 to 90 grand a month, which is a fair amount of money, that kind of money became normal to me because there's 80 to 90,000 pounds going in, there's whatever was going out at the time, it was certainly a lot less than 80 to 90 grand. And you kind of forget that 80 to 90 grand is a phenomenal, huge amount of money. And I think the more successful you are as a business owner, the more skewed your relationship with money becomes. Also, you and I have the ability to just take money out of our business at any point, uh, if the cash is there, of course. And again, this completely skews our relationship with money. In fact, I think this is a good thing in a way because it makes us less dependent on you know one source of income. If you can just go and get five, 10, $20,000 out of your business or pounds at any point, then that's that's a good thing. You know, it's, it's the whole point of us having the business is to have the freedom to do that. But again, it changes how we think about money. Now, the reason I mention all of this is not really to do with you taking your friends out to lunch. It's more to do with how much you pay your team. So I've had a number of conversations with my MSP mastermind clients in recent months where they've been talking about how much they should be paying their employees. Now, I'm not talking here about uh, third-line techs who, I don't know what it's like in the States, but certainly in the UK, third-line techs command an absolute premium. Uh, They're rare, well, the good ones who aren't strange are rare. You know, when you get someone like that, it is very much worth paying extra for those people, A, to get them and B, to keep them. But uh, for first-line techs, for example, or for admin staff, or for even for marketing people or for salespeople, where there are thousands and thousands of people that you could employ in those roles, I think you can overpay. Now, I'm a big fan of overpaying to keep the best people, but I believe when someone joins your business, you shouldn't be overpaying them at all. And the problem is, here's us as the business owner taking out five, 10, 15 grand a month out of the business, whatever it is that we take, completely skewed relationship with money because we're used to handling big sums, completely generous because we're used to just picking up the lunch bill or taking our family out or removing cash out of the business. And we forget that our staff don't have that mindset. Their relationship with money is not skewed. 
They understand the value of money almost better than we do. And for that reason, we don't need to overpay them until they get to a point where they're so critical to the business that we want to reward them and give them more money for keeping them happy and also for retention. So anytime you find yourself thinking, oh, I'll just give my team a, I'll give them a bonus of a couple of thousand pounds each or whatever it is, and you're looking at the bottom line and you're looking at the cash flow impact, I think you need to just run it by ordinary people first. Maybe that's your other half. If your other half doesn't run a business, what do they think? Do they think it's an obscene amount of money that you're going to pay someone or that you're going to give away to someone? Don't forget to an employee earning, let's say, 20, 25,000 pounds a year, a thousand pounds for free is a stunning amount of money. That just doesn't happen. So you've got to use that weapon very powerfully and wield it when, only when it has maximum impact. And don't forget that your relationship with money is completely skewed, but theirs isn't. Here's this week's clever idea. First time I heard about this, I literally squealed because from a marketing point of view, it is just beautiful. What is it? It's physical help desk buttons that you give to your clients and they sit on their desks so they can press the button physically with their finger, press a button when they need support from you. Now there's a website, it's helpdeskbuttons.com and you can get these buttons branded up to your business. Uh, They're very, very clever. They look beautiful as well. They look uh, quality and it talks you through what happens when one of your users actually presses the button. So imagine you've got a user who's struggling with something. Uh, their help desk button is, is a USB port which is plugged into their computer and they can plug other USBs into that button. They don't need to know your phone number, your email. They don't need to know the URL of your website. They don't need to know how to take a screenshot or anything like that. All they do is they use their finger to press the button. It's beautiful. And then it comes up uh, with a little form on their computer and it talks them through basic questions. So it asks them to describe the problem. It asks them to uh, tick box whether they want you to connect to the computer or whether they want you to call them. They can say how urgent it is. They can say whether it's affecting just them or whether it's affecting multiple people. It's very well thought through. And then the help desk button actually does uh, an amount of diagnostic work for you. So it starts to build a log of the last 20 actions that they took before the button was pressed so that you can reproduce the error. It collects all the system information, who's logged in, all the real-time processes, memory, CPU, disk usage, that sort of stuff. It does some network diagnostics. It does connectivity checks. And uh, it's very clever. And of course, it integrates with your PSA as well. So the idea is that you get a perfect ticket. They have a better experience because they're physically pressing something with their finger and you get the perfect ticket, which makes it much more likely you're going to figure out what's going on and solve it more quickly. Literally everyone wins. Now, none of my clients have started using this yet in the UK. Um, We talked about it a couple of months ago. Uh, The price, according to the website, is 30 cents per seat per month doesn't seem a huge amount of money. I'm guessing you have to pay some money to actually buy the physical hardware as well. But I'd love to hear some feedback from you. If you've been using this in your MSP, what kind of an impact that has had on your end users? Or if you go and try it, let's have a chat and, you know, see what you think of this. The best place to do that is I have a Facebook group and I'm on that Facebook group every single day. If you go into Facebook and type in MSP marketing at the top, and that's how you join my Facebook group. Paul's blatant plug. My intention when I created that community for MSP owners on Facebook was to give people a chance to come together and talk about marketing. I believe it's one of the most under-talked about subjects in the world of MSP. Lots of chat about tech, 
but not enough chat about marketing and selling more and making more monthly recurring revenue and ultimately net profit as well. So as I said, you go into your Facebook app, you pop in MSP marketing at the top, go to groups and apply to join. And me or a member of my team will just uh, double check that you are an MSP because it's a vendor free zone. We don't allow vendors in or any other anyone else. And we'll just double check you're in an MSP and then we will let you in. There's over 650 MSPs in there right now, and it's a great place to discuss marketing. In fact, it's a great place to discuss stuff that we're talking about on this podcast. I'm there every day, including weekends. I'm happy to answer any questions that you have. Go on, get onto the MSP Marketing Facebook group. It's another valuable resource as you're trying to grow your business. The big interview. Uh, so I'm James Lyon, it's MSP White Label Websites, and we provide websites, uh, white label websites, at outsource prices. So you don't build websites for MSPs, so that you don't build the MSPs own website, you build websites for the MSPs to resell. How did you come up with this idea? Um, so I've been selling websites for a long time. Websites itself is a great resell opportunity for MSPs. Um, you're in a perfect position to talk about digital transformation um, with clients, um, and really I looked at what's skills I could bring to the MSP market and that was helping you to sell websites and deliver them um, at offshore prices. So that's why I created MSP White Label Websites. And we know that ordinary business owners and business managers, because MSPs are dealing with computers, yeah. they see that, uh, that websites are about computers as well. And actually websites, as, as we know, are, are more of a marketing thing. But is this why you think so many MSPs get their clients saying to them, hey, could you do our website? Yeah, um, it's the trusted relationship that I think that MSPs have with clients. Websites can be a sore point for clients. They have their domain hosting with someone, uh, their actual website hosting with someone else, and their email hosting. Um, and actually, it's of much greater benefit to the client if everything can be uh, condensed with one provider. And um, what we've found is that MSPs themselves are in perfect position to kind of look after everything under one roof for their clients. You and I know loads of MSPs who build their own websites for clients, but there's also a whole chunk of people who don't want to take on that pain, they don't want to have to deal with designers, and we know that getting content out of clients is a, is a real pain. So how does your service take that pain away for the MSP? In a real short sentence, we do everything for you. Um, what we basically say is that all you need to do is manage the relationship with the client, um, and we'll do all of the hard work for you. So we've got content writers, um, we'll create all of the content, we'll do all of the back-end management and project management for you, uh, design the website, get it sent live uh, within our package as well we include 30 minutes uh, maintenance a month so any sort of on-site changes that you have to do you literally just push back onto us um, we also sort out hosting so really all you need to do is resell our services and make a profit every single month from it and of course as we'd expect it's all monthly recurring revenue as well this isn't a, this isn't a seller website for a couple of thousand this is turning it into a, an ongoing revenue stream what we're not looking at is just a 12 month hit um, the reason why we're looking at reselling services as a, as a monthly resell um, it's not thinking about kind of like a thousand pound or a two thousand pound income revenue generation there. Um, we're looking at a three three year period minimum. Um, what we've done is within our packages include a twelve month minimum program. Um, thereafter, the clients can roll over monthly, which we've found um, helps them to kind of stay on board for longer. Um, and at the three year stage, um, we're offering a refresh completely free, which would encourage them to stay on board as well. Um, so yeah. Um, 
like you said, Paul, it is very much about long-term revenue um, and that long-term profit generation as well. So the goal is the MSP has a, a long-term revenue stream that they very do very little work for. Um, you have a revenue stream, but you're used to doing the work because you're used to doing that. And the end client, the MSP's client, is happy because they have a great website which is updated uh, regularly and is refreshed every three years. Yeah, exactly that. Um, what you're doing here is just looking at another way that you can help your client, um, and that is via websites. MSPs are in the perfect position to talk about digital transformation and helping clients with their website, um, and we're giving you an opportunity to kind of make money from that without having to do any of the work. How do we get in touch with you, James? My website is www.mspwhitelabelwebsites.com. Paul Green's MSP Marketing Podcast. Ask Paul anything. Hey, Paul. Andy Newbrook from Crusade Computer Solutions here. We are going to send some direct mail campaigns to our cold list to then eventually give out our ethical bribe in the book. Do you recommend sending the test of 30 emails to a specific sector or just 30 general companies? That's a great question. Thank you, Andy. And well done on doing direct mail. Direct mail has such potential impact because we don't have much posts these days. So I think direct mail is a very good thing to do. One caveat with that is to make sure that you follow it up on the phone. Direct mail itself doesn't get a great response, but it paves the way for easier phone calls. Now, to answer your question of should you do a test to a general audience or to a specific sector, I would always do it to a specific sector or a specific vertical. And I'll tell you why. You may have heard me say this phrase before. Relevance increases results. The more relevant that someone perceives your marketing to be, the more likely they are to actually respond to it. And the beauty of sending a piece of direct mail to a specific vertical or a specific sector is you can make that direct mail seem more applicable to them, seem more relevant to them. Let's say, for example, you're targeting accountants or CPAs, as they're known in the States. Uh, you can put on the word accountant. You can talk about their practice rather than their business. Certainly here in the UK, accountants talk about having a practice. Um, you can drop in a piece of software that is commonly used by accountants. And I don't just mean Sage or Zero, but some, some insider software that they use. Now, that's all you need to do. You only need to sprinkle a tiny, tiny amount of relevance into a piece of direct mail or, in fact, any piece of marketing, and you will typically get a better response rate from it. Because the accountants or whoever at the other end, the other people that you're targeting, if they perceive that it is targeted at them, they won't think of it as being targeted, but if they perceive that it is relevant to them, they automatically assume that you are an expert in what it is that they do, and they perceive that it's more likely to be of interest to them, and you're more likely to be a quality supplier. Relevance increases results. So the challenge to you, actually, is to do this in all of your marketing. I'm a big fan of MSPs having separate websites targeting separate niches, separate verticals, because what it allows you to do is to appear to be relevant to a number of multiple audiences, but at the same time. So you keep your general website, but then you set up very specific targeted websites to each of the niches that you want to operate in. Yes, that's extra work, but my goodness, that extra work doesn't half pay off for you down the line. How to contribute to the show. Andy actually sent me that question from his phone. He recorded a quick audio question for me, just sent it over to me on email. Loads of people have done this now, and I'd invite you to do the same. What's that burning question that you've got that you'd love me to answer on the podcast? You can email it through to hello at paulgreensmspmarketing.com. 
coming up next week. We can't bandy around those types of terms, not knowing whether or not the receiver of our message really understands what it is that we're trying to say. That's Tracy Pound from Maximity. She's been working in the channel for more than 30 years and sits on the board for CompTIA worldwide. Next week, she's going to tell you how you can think like a prospect so you can sell more to them without ever having to talk about technology. We're also going to be talking next week about one of the scariest subjects that any MSP can think about. What if you got hacked? Now, you probably heard that Datto, Huntress Labs and ConnectWise helped to save an MSP's access credentials from being sold on the dark web recently. We're going to be talking about that and I've got a series of suggestions for you compiled from my MSP clients to help protect yourself from the hackers. Made in the UK for MSPs around the world. Paul Green's MSP Marketing Podcast.